I'm an elder. No, I don't need those. Oh, thank you. Don't need my glasses. I just printed it out really big. <laughs> um, I'm an elder here. Andrew and Mel, our normal pastors, are away having a holiday up in Mildura. They arrived safely yesterday. This is a good thing. And um, I stand here in his stead. Um, big shoes to fill in some ways. Um, I preached about a month ago uh, on God being comfortable with the hidden places and um, just how he's okay with some things remaining secret not having to be blabbed to the whole world. But I want to add this though, not as an afterthought but as a, um, not as an oversight from the day but something that I just want to drop in here now in time um, that expands it out. You remember I spoke uh, on the day about paradoxes. We have these seemingly two irreconcilable truths. You know, when I am weak, I'm also strong. You know, the greatest among you must be the least among you. These paradoxes, how do they go together? He who finds his life loses it. He who loses his life finds it. How do they work together? And it's like, yes, God is comfortable with extravagant beauty remaining hidden and unseen. But what is also true is that some things are too good to not be shared. And shouldn't just, it's not just about keeping it all a secret. I just wanted to add and tip that in from, from last time. Um, every now and then you end up with a message that you really need to be saying to yourself. And I, I think it, it's, it's never been stronger in any message that I've ever brought than in this one today. I am preaching to myself alone. Um, just allowing you to listen. Okay? This is a message my heart really, really needs to hear and really needs to sit in. And um, I think that's part of how messages end up in us. They're in us before we say them, even. Um, and I, I want to start with the, the observation. It's observation that I'm... I don't mean to be cruel in any way or to... Um, but I have noticed that um, many Christians seem to be looking for an easy fix. Yeah? We are. And I'm quite guilty of this myself. Not guilty of it. I tend to do this myself. I'm looking... I want, I want things um, solved fast. I want them solved easily. And I want them solved now. Um, yeah, and it's, it's not just Christians, though. I find that it's most humans uh, want this, actually. It's not just us. Um, and I don't know if you've noticed, but most of the Christians that I've met were humans as well. They were humans. Um, and I keep finding them. Christians that want a shortcut, yeah, um, and it becomes a problem when all you tend to do is leave others in this cloud of optimism dust as you tear away and rush off uh, to the next healing ministry, you know, or to the next day spa appointment, or to a marriage counselling thing, you know, or the next shopping trip, um, or the next intensive praise seminar. Um, and as you depart, what they're seeing is a desperate person with very very little peace and actually some iffy kind of perspectives on life and this is this is what i want to speak into our love of short 
shortcuts. Um, Soren uh, Kierkegaard, the Danish theologian, um, noted that Christians reminded him of schoolboys who wanted to look up the answers to their maths problem in the back of the book rather than working them through. And it's, um, it's like that. Some shortcuts are fine. Um, they're even practical, but most, most are not. And most shortcuts seem to actually lead away from growth rather than to it. Yeah? We want the romance with, without um, the difficulties and the messiness of uh, committing to somebody who's a lot different to us. Yeah, we want wealth without learning self-control or self-discipline or even how money works. Um, we want greatness um, without the risks and the failures that accompany that territory and earning that place. We want influence without having to leave our bedroom or without talking to actual people, um, almost epidemic these days on the planet. And we want to please God except where it inconveniences us. Yeah? That said, what I want to speak to is actually way deeper than just uh, taking shortcuts. Um, I did a little bit of basic online research, a little bit of Google, Google auntie, Google uncle, whatever, around my mess. I actually typed in Christian shortcuts theology. And what I got back was a whole lot of warning messages, heaps of pretty hardcore stuff. Warning Christians, don't take shortcuts. You know, don't... Um, you know, and it, it, all, it all ended up sending on work a bit harder and study a bit more and go to more prayer meetings and pray harder and worship more and things like that and don't be lazy was a big one that seemed to just keep ringing through and you're like, oh my goodness, okay. Didn't, didn't sit well with me. You know, it kind of sounds good on the surface, um, but I, I guess essentially they're angling way too close to do this and you'll get this result, you know. Um, and it's not about working harder at being more like Christ. Um, the, the deeper way, the, the beautiful, the faith journey is about understanding what Father is up to and then working with that, uh, working with him. You know, this kind of changes everything. Um, I did, originally in my message, I had this bit I'm about to say as a side thing. I've actually got it written here, a side thing. But I think this is really, really central because there's a really, really beautiful verse in Hebrews 7, verse 25, where it talks about Jesus and who is who always, these, these are the words, because he always lives to intercede for us. It kind of makes my brain collapse. Like, why is he? I pray to him. It, who's he praying to? I know there's within the Trinity, and you kind of go, how is he? He's interceding for us. He lives to intercede for us, always. And you kind of go, it's just bonkers. It's, it, there's some things that you can't get your head around, and it hurts trying. But there it is, this beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's like, the thing that came out of it for me is like, wouldn't you want to know what he's praying for you? Wouldn't you want to know? Wouldn't you want to know what, what whispers and utterances are falling from the lips of Jesus in heaven? 
and then go with that. Wouldn't that be awesome? It's really, I don't think it, it's not as hard as it sounds. I reckon knowing the God that I know, ask him. He'll probably show you what he is praying for you. Um, and then try and work with that. You know, work with him. I think it's how Jesus operated here on earth. He just had that, he knew what Father, he knew what God was up to and he worked with it. And so it's a really different and beautiful thing. So there is that, right? There's all that. Let's park that thought. And Vicky, can you get ready that trailer? Just get it ready. All right? Because now I want to take you into another story. And hopefully it appears up here okay. I'll tell you when to start it, okay? You're good? You ready? It's good? All right. Just, just, just priming it, getting it there. I want to take you into quite a different story. Um, Ray, get the sound ready as well. Uh, right. Turn that off. <coughs> um, um, I've had this message for a while, and for a little while I've been trying to ask, I've been asking God, look, can you, I need something else um, to bring into this message, something that, uh, a story that kind of carries this same message of where I want to go and, and what your heart is here. And actually, it was last Sunday night, Ali and I, it was my task, it usually is to flick through Netflix and find a movie or something to watch for the evening. And it was down to Warrior Nuns or this other movie. I don't, I don't think Warrior Nuns was really a strong candidate there. But it was floated. It was floated. Um, but I, I came across this movie called Meet Cute. M-E-E-T, not M-E-A-T. Meet Cute. Does anyone know what a Meet Cute is? The term? Um, if you've watched the movie The Holiday, starring Jack Black and other people, <laughs> Cameron Diaz, the Titanic lady, um, Jude Law, it's in there. They're, they're, there's a reference to it there. A meet cute, it's a cinematic slash storytelling term, and it refers to the first encounter, yeah? the charming, amusing first encounter that moment when two romantic partners meet. Yeah? That's, that's what the term is. Right there. It's that moment where they fall immediately in love. That's a meet cute. You know, him, she because he's handsome or him because she's, you know, fallen out the door of a car, whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's that moment where they happen upon each other. Okay? So, going to play the trailer for this movie, Meet Cute. Let's see if we can get sound and audio. Stop. Let's get the visual up there, because that's going to work. That's going to be important. This may take a while. <clears throat> if anyone knows how to do it, just fly back there and help Vicky out. My mother, your mother. It will be worth waiting for. Oh, Kino Reeves. What's he doing here? Nah. Get back. Click the back button. Meet cute. There it is. Yeah, let it play. Full screen. Hi, I'm Hi. Hi. I'm Gary. Uh, 
do with the other youth in the past. Stand up, right? we'll get it. I will explain it. Thank you. <laughs> What's going on there? So basically, it's um, girl finds time machine. Right? Girl travels back 24 hours to just have a look around. Girl finds cute guy in yesterday. Yeah? She then in, enjoys that moment of meeting him so much she spends over a year just looping back every day through that 24 hours just to enjoy that meet-cute moment. Yeah? Um, she courts him hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, and she loves the thrill of that initially. But over time, she grows bored with him. It is, after all, the same day on repeat and repeat and repeat. You've got to give the guy a bit of a chance. You know, he didn't have a chance. And she ends up irritated. So she decides, this is a complete spoiler for anybody that's going to watch it. I have to do that in order to make the point, okay? Um, she, she decides to travel back in time and change him to edit out the things that have become annoying or boring or causing her to sigh, Yeah? The trouble is that when she gets back to the present, back into that 24-hour day, she does not like the man that she has created at all. She's created a bit of an idiot. Yeah? Um, so she somehow manages to restore him to the original him. Yeah? And there she falls in love with him all over again. With the original. And they decide then. They kind of figure out what's going on. He knows what's going on. He even does a little bit of work with the time machine. And um, they decide to let their love progress past the 24-hour period and on into time and into the future and get out of that 24-hour loop. It's actually, the whole movie is actually a really beautiful parable of normal love and relationships and marriage. Yeah? and what we need to find there, and what we need to hold. But at the core, the core piece of dialogue in this movie, and you saw it, you kind of caught it there in the, in the trailer, um, is when she screams at him, but I have the ability to undo all your pain. Yeah? And he, he's wild with her, you know. Um, so I kind of want to bring this 
into land. And here it is. Um, <clears throat> when we are on the hunt for a shortcut, for a quick fix or instant healing or this silver bullet that I find so many people looking for, we might actually be thwarting the greatest work of our Father in our lives. Yeah? And it's, it's all there in that story. You take away somebody's pain and difficulties and struggle and you lose a lot. Um, Philip Yancey feels that human nature actually needs problems more than it needs solutions. Yeah? That human beings actually grow more through the striving and working things out, through the stretching. So, we were going to get it up on the screen for the rest of my message, but we haven't figured out how to do that. But here's, here's the key thing. If you can erase... If you could erase all the mistakes of your past, you would also erase the wisdom of the present. It's all gone. All gone. All gone. And yet, and yet, this is the thing that our heart cries out for at the same time. We so need this simple gospel. We so are looking for a simple gospel. And there's a reason why we're looking for that. Um, for that way of moving through the journey of our faith that reflects the seeming ease with which Jesus did so much of what he did. He just spoke. He just touched. It was very, very simple, wasn't it? A little bit of spit here. Go bathe there. You know, a word there. A touch there. They touch him and you go, it's frustratingly easy. You know, I, I have laboured and, and it brings me to tears every time I think about it. I have laboured so much for people's healings. I have laboured so hard and so long. Um, put in so much effort. Dragged people, hounded, not hounded people, stayed with people, reached out to people, kept after people, kept inviting people up into something bigger, more beautiful, something more glorious, something out of where they are. I have done that and, and now as, as I get older, I'm weary of it. I am truly weary of it. Um, the older I get, the more I long for this easier way. And the, the beautiful thing is that God speaks to me more and more about the easier way. You know, because whenever I, I talk to him about this, he does end up saying, and with a, with a smug smile on his face he kind of goes there is an easier way there it's there it really is there sure but it comes out of these costly places it can, it comes out of suffering it comes out of hardship it comes out of pain um that i these places that i delight to steer you through that's the difference. That's the kicker. That I delight to steer you through. Um, it, it, we have to reinterpret our, our hard times um, because you don't get the gold without the heat. We all know that because we've been to Sovereign Hill. Yeah? And you don't get the diamond without the pressure and you don't get the authority 
without the journey and the failures and the risk. And you don't get the greatness without the struggle. Charles Spurgeon himself said, they who dive in the sea of afflictions bring up rare pearls. That's where the gold is. And yet we wiggle and we struggle and we try and shortcut and short-circuit our way out of these things. Um, And I borrow a little bit from my last message here. You don't get Joseph without the betrayal in prison and obscurity and hate. And you don't get King David without him being an outlaw for years on the run. And you don't get the deliverer, Moses, without him being branded a murderer. And without the humiliation of 40 years looking after sheep with all that time in his hands to think through his failures and his wrongdoings, yeah? His shame um, to lick his wounds. You don't get President Roosevelt or Stephen Hawking without the wheelchair and that whole story, yeah? And you don't get Helen Keller without the blindness and you don't get Robin Williams without the depression and you don't get Martin Luther King without the visceral racism and hate and murder. You don't get it. You don't get Vincent van Gogh without the mental anguish. You don't get Nelson Mandela without 27 years in prison. And you don't get the resurrection without the cross. Yeah? This, this is his way. This is his way with us. This is, there is a way that things, that things work. It doesn't come on a silver tray. Um, Which of you, beautiful Matthew, I forget which chapter, which of you, we know these words well, if your son asks for bread, gives him a stone, you know, (laughs) or if he asks you for a fish or a meal, you know, gives him a snake, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. And we often use that verse concerning the good things that have come into our life, the lovely things, the pretty things, you know. It's not just about that, you know. We, We don't grow without these really, really hard things. And I've, you know, I've recently, you know, been through a thing at my work where, um, and, and, where I've been um, trying to help another employee, the guy who I share my truck with, um, <clears throat> trying to sort him out, trying to help him out, I end up being seen by the whole workplace as the bad guy. I get disciplined, I get branded um, as disruptive, and I get demoted. I get humiliated in front of my entire workforce. You know, and it, it's kind of it, it's being sorted out, you know. And I, you know, the fruit of that initially was incredible insecurity and grief. Incredible grief and confusion. And I was trying to do the right thing. And they knew I was trying to do the right thing. They just got fed up with it. And, and this, this hit me, you know. And it's really, really hard in those moments to say, Jesus, what are you up to? But really... Jesus, what are you up to? I'm fighting my way back towards that place with the help of a couple other people. Fighting my way back to that place. Because this is another one of those things. This is where the gold lies. Yeah. So here it is. At the centre of all this, when you have a good, good father, 
as we just sang before. A perfect father, the thing that he arranges, the things that he arranged for us, are good, good as well. The double, double good. And I guess that's just what I want to encourage you to hold on to. Yeah? Um, the Bible says you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. And it all starts becoming more doable. Our faith journey all starts becoming more doable when we believe that God is for us. When we realise that he's actually doing a lot more behind the scenes than we give him credit for. And I've actually wondered many, many times over the years whether him telling us that we are free will creatures is something of a little bit of lip service from him. We see it with our children. You know, it's like, yes, darling, it's your life. You can make these decisions. But in the background, we are arranging things, aren't we? We are setting things up. We are, you know, some parents for bad, hopefully for good, you know. Um, others want to neutralise the child. But we're doing this at the same time going, yes, darling, it's your decision. I love you. What do you feel? What would you like to do? And then we work at setting things up. And I, th I think it, it, it's another one of these paradoxes, isn't it? We are free-willed, and yet God says, I order all things. You know, they're both happening at the same time. We do have this free will to choose. And that. I, I, I don't want to labour this because it's a beautiful day and there's sunshine out there waiting for us and try and over-convince you. But I just wanted to simply ask you to believe what we often sing and say that God is good. And that underpins all of this. Yeah. If God is not good, then we cannot trust him in these really, really hard times. And it's very important what you believe about God's goodness. I reckon one of the most important bits of theology to have settled once and for all. Because um, the hard times are the most significant times in our life and without them you have a movie that won't sell. You have a book that no one wants to read. Um, you have no story. Um, in the movie Meet Cute, um, without the pain and the struggles, we're barely worth knowing. You know, we just become something quite bland. Without them, we have no beauty or glory or story. I want to finish with the words of um, Friedrich Nietzsche, who was a German philosopher, not a theologian. So they don't necessarily come out of a godly place, but there's some beautiful clues in here for what he wrote a very long time ago. He says, Only pain, the long, slow pain that takes its time, compels us to descend to our ultimate depths. I don't believe that such pain makes us better, he says, but I know that it makes us more profound. Yeah? Yeah? In the end, lest what is most important remain unsaid, from such abysses, from such severe sicknesses and wounds, one returns newborn, having shed our skin, yeah, with merrier senses and a second dangerous innocence of joy. I love that. 
Hey? More childlike and yet a hundred times more subtle than one has ever been before. Pretty cool, eh? Insight there. And I, I believe it captures something of what God has for us. This is the making of us. These times. Cool. Can we just stand and I'll finish up? I want to pray. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> cool. Um, Father, this is, this is your way. Father, we worship you. We really, really do. Ah, oh, Father, how you do this time and time again is a beautiful mystery. It's a beautiful, beautiful mystery. Um, we just want to keep giving you permission to build gold into our lives. The really, really beautiful things. Our Father, we ask that you would whisper to us in these times when life T-bones us unexpectedly from the side, that you, we would hear your whisper of, I love you and I have something in this for you. That we would find that. Ah, oh, Jesus. Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, do your beautiful work. Uh, we want to work with you. You are our good and beautiful Father. And we give you permission to do these things unafraid and not trying to second guess when they're going to happen, but just walking through life, trusting that you love us. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're beautiful. Thank you for this beautiful day. And we ask for your deep, deep blessing over the rest of it. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Cool.